Counting calories is out. Weight loss is an internal game, what I like to call weight release, and it all starts from within. You're listening to Confidence Strong Within, a podcast for women ready to feel good about their bodies, rediscover their confidence, and share their brilliance with the world. I am your host, Juliana Lima, mind-body weight release expert and lifelong health seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 162 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And today we're going to be talking about cravings. And it is my hope and wish to bring you two very unusual ways to not just handle the cravings, but most importantly, understand them. And I think that the more, and something I've been very passionate about over the min, the last many years is actually understanding how our mind works. It's almost like if we know the rules of the game, then we have a chance of winning it. <laughs> Whereas if all we're doing is playing the game without actually contextually understanding what is going on, we just keep going back in circles. So it is my hope today to hopefully bring your perspective to you that you have not considered yet. So let's jump right in. So first of all, a pattern that I see very often in the world of dieting is that somebody starts a new program, we start strong, <laughs> and if you dieted before, you know what I mean, and then you go hard at it, and you, you know, you're excited, you're doing all the things, and then a couple of weeks go by, maybe the first month goes by, and then you're putting all this effort, the results are not yet, you know, demonstrated on the scale or whatever ways you're measuring and then we start to get discouraged. And so, especially if you're doing a very low calorie diet, which, you know, I'll talk more about that in a moment here, but you're hungry and all those things, it becomes really, really difficult, almost impossible to keep going. Then we start to, you know, open exceptions and all the excusitis, you know, our mind starts to make all these special excuses that make complete sense in the moment. And then we cave and then we go, you know, succumb to cravings. Eventually, the weight comes all back and, and some. And I see this pattern so often and it, it truly breaks my heart because a lot of times women feel guilty for their role in the process. And there's so much, you know, emotional turmoil that comes with that. Plus, you put all this effort, you invest the time and resources and you not get what you want. So that is very much like if this is something you've experienced in any way, shape, or form over the last whatever many years, I really want to start giving you different tools and ways that you can actually make different choices and empower yourself. So let's like a, take a look at this. So two main issues that this pattern happens that I see. Number one, women that are, you know, dieters or either first timers or, you know, you're your dieters. A lot of times the number one thing I see that it makes women fail. Number one is hunger. And hunger often comes if you're trying to push your body into a very low calorie diet. And I would say in midlife, even more than earlier in life, it becomes so difficult. And I really advise against it. I think that is not 
a sustainable way and for some it's not even a safe way to go about dieting so if you are on a very low calorie diet i really encourage you to either book a call and chat with myself or my team or do some more research online so that you can actually fully educate yourself to make sure that is the best approach for you i know it's highly promoted in the weight loss space but the success rate are very very low calorie diets i would say it's very questionable so i just wanted to start there and the second main issue that i see often and this is probably the primary one and the one we're going to focus for the second part of this episode is all the non-addressed emotions that are there behind the scenes associated with those cravings And I think that is going to be one of the bigger, I'd say, dominoes uh, if you were to look in the context of all the reasons that you may struggle. Because a lot of times, most people, for sometimes even two, 30 days, a little longer, depending on, um, you know, you, your, your genetics and how you're built, most people can sustain discomfort for a short period of time if we know it's coming to an end. And there's studies done of starvation diets and all the different things. And most people can sustain knowing there is a cutoff. But if what we're talking about here is in order for you to get the weight and the body you want, we need to get rid of all your favorite cravings for the rest of your life. That permanency and that time horizon can be so overwhelming to people that, you know, it, it almost becomes like one of the easiest ways to fall apart, <laughs> for everything to fall apart. Because there's a huge amount of emotions that are attached to food. We use food as children to be praised and celebrated. We use food to care for family members when they're not feeling well. We use food as love and attention and a treat and as well as punishment. (laughs) Food is so heavily associated with our emotions And differently than alcohol or cigarettes that you technically could abstain from by not going to bars or not, you know, hanging out around smokers, food is almost impossible because it is everywhere. It is something that we, you know, eat on a, for most people, daily basis and for a lot of people, multiple times a day. But also food is socially acceptable And a lot of times when we start putting a lot of those components together, for some people, the moderators, that may be different, but a majority of people are not going to fall in the category of moderators. So we will take a certain degree of abstaining from a specific sugary treat or whatever it is that you crave in order to maintain it. But when we do that, not understanding one, our genetics and how neurotransmitters and all those chemicals work in our brains, and two, not taking into account the actual associations that we have between those foods, those cravings, and our emotions, it is almost impossible to maintain it long term. So I just wanted to paint this picture for you first so that you have context to why this is such a popular topic because it is really hard to get long term success on. Now, Let's start breaking it down and then I'll give you the two unusual solutions that I want you to contemplate. So the the second piece of this conversation is I want to almost give you like this visual. Of course, this is a podcast, so you're going to have to choose your imagination. I'm using my hands a lot as I'm talking to you, but you're going to have to picture in your head. 
But I like to visualize and almost like create frameworks for things because I find it so much easier to understand them. And I like to break cravings down into two buckets. So let's do that first, because as your next craving arises and you can see, okay, what bucket does it like fall under for this specific situation for you? So the first bucket is internal cravings and the second bucket is external cravings. And I'll give an example in just a moment. So knowing that there's just two buckets, within each bucket, (laughs) we're going to break it down one more time. So within the internal bucket of cravings, things that the, the craving comes from within us, we could be seeking to feel an emotion or feeling, or we could be trying to avoid feeling an emotion and a feeling. And likewise, for the external types of cravings, we could also be seeking to feel a feeling or we could be trying to escape it, okay? So just to give you like the summer version of our visual, cravings can be internal and external. And for each of those two types, we could be in seeking mode or avoiding mode, okay? So hopefully this will summarize and you can potentially fit almost 100% of your cravings in one of those four buckets. So Let's start with the external first and then I'll go into the internal. I'm going to spend a little bit more time there. An external craving is something that it's triggered from external stimuli. So let's just say you are watching TV and then this, you know, commercial comes on that, I don't know, has somebody like, you hear the noise of somebody opening or popping like a can of Coca-Cola or, you know, something like that. And then the can has like, you know, that condensation on the outside, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Um, or you're scrolling through social media and then an ad comes from your favorite, you know, sweet treats or something like that. Or somebody at work brings like donuts or somebody's birthday to bring cake. Those are external in the sense that you may not have even been thinking about the craving at all, but the moment that you see the trigger that stimuli, then you have a full on reaction and you kind of have to have it. And the internal cravings are those generated through our internal, I'd say, environment. So say that you are bored or you're tired or you feel sad or you are just anxious and whatever it is, the emotions that are you responding, right, to life and your environment. And as you feel this discomfort that could be in all those different forms, our mind has all this pre-made associations and it's incredible when you start to really dissect it and see how does this work for you, like the anatomy of your cravings. But our mind has all those associations and it kind of knows for most people what is the go-to to make you feel better. And because I've been doing this work for a while, I have got to the clarity of, I know depending on the craving, what emotion I am trying to get rid of or suppress And if I'm doing it to escape something or to feel something, okay? And that is the level that you can choose so that once you start to almost like decode, wow, this is what is happening, then we can regain your self-governance, okay? So I think I just wanted to give you like what is possible here. So knowing those four buckets of our cravings, something that I wanted to consider is next time you have one, you start to think, is this an internal driven craving or is the stimuli from, because I'm uncomfortable with some form of emotion or is the stimuli an external? And once you decide which of the two major buckets and ask yourself, is this me trying to avoid feeling certain things or is this me trying to recreate a feeling that felt good? 
in that moment, right? So some people, they have associations when they are sitting on the couch eating potato chips with their loved ones and that's very comforting and they're watching a good movie. You know, we create all this like beautiful, like we almost romanticize on this specific scenario. That is a lot of times when we're trying to recreate or we have a specific goal to foods or drinks that we know that just numbs us so that it reduces the pain that we may be experiencing in a certain situation if there's grieving, if there's sadness, or if there's like loneliness, okay? So that is that. Now let's look at the final part of this conversation, which is what are two unusual solutions that I practice, that I teach, that I want you to also know and be able to implement. The first one and I'm, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's going to sound a bit weird and then I will actually explain it to you. The first one is strengthening your prefrontal cortex. And people call it the PFC for short. And your prefrontal cortex is this part of your brain, the fore part of your brain, the frontal part of your brain that has more self-governance. It is a more, I would say, uh, modern, more advanced part of your brain that has the ability to look in the future and make plans. Like it actually has foresight, (laughs) if that makes sense. Whereas by contrast, a lot of times when we have those cravings that we're seeking that immediate gratification, we're actually dealing with the more primitive part of our brain, the amygdala, which is more towards the back. So what is interesting here is that by strengthening our prefrontal cortex or the frontal part of our brain, what it does is that it equips us with more ability in the moment the craving hits that we can potentially, the hope is, get ourselves out of this, you know, survival state of immediate gratification, secret avoid behavior, and be able to actually stop for a moment, almost like separate ourselves from the situation actually stack all the drawbacks of eating whatever or drinking whatever food, for example, remembering that even though we may feel great for five or 10 seconds in the moment, that we're going to be dealing with digestive upset. So later, your pants are not going to fit the same. We're going to have inflammation. Uh, for some of us, it may have even constipation. This may really bring you back months if you're doing you know, well in a weight release program Um, the list goes on and on. It may actually open this can of worms to a bunch of other, you know, cravings coming back, you know, strong and all these things. So the prefrontal cortex is actually able to look at pros and cons and really allow it to stack the drawbacks of that choice. Whereas the amygdala is like, oh, tomorrow is tomorrow. Let's think about the moment. We really need this. Let's do this. It's very addicted to pleasure, if that makes sense. And the number one way that in my work, which is very much the focus of my work, that I I help uh, my clients strengthen their prefrontal cortex is by living within their inner priorities. Because when we are within our priorities, which is really this deep value structure inside of us, that is when we have the most activation of this frontal part of our brain. That is when we have the most self-governance, the most poised we're most grounded and we're less susceptible to those volatile emotions that lead to cravings. So if you're curious about this topic, I have an episode. I'm going to link it in the show notes below if you want to listen after this one. And it is episode number six to two. And it is called 
why we make the choices we make. And I go into this in a lot more detail, actually showing you how are those choices made in the moment so that you know at least the first steps towards activating and strengthening your prefrontal cortex. Now, the second strategy to help you manage cravings, and again, these are the more unusual ones that you may not hear (laughs) all the time, it is about helping you really reframe reality, okay? And a lot of times people say, oh, we just have to manage stress, reduce stress, because stress leads to cravings, and it's true. But I I don't find that to be very helpful, because how do you reduce stress? Like, that is such an abstract concept of such an abstract recommendation that's going to be so different depending on who you are, where you live, what is going on in your life. So to make it more tangible for you, I like to be more specific and actually call it, let's reframe your reality. Because here's the thing, stress is a perception. Stress is when our expectations don't meet reality. So the closer we are to reality, meaning what is actually happening and going on, the less stress we feel, the more acceptance we have of circumstances, despite our preferences, the lower your stress levels would be. That is just what they're trying to say, but without giving the specifics. And one of my favorite ways to reframe reality is what I, and the way that I like to visualize it is thinking of a magnet, okay? If you, as a child, ever play with magnets or you have like those whiteboards that you have the little, you know, magnets to hold your papers on, whatever type that you've dealt with, that magnet will have a side that is positive, a side that's negative. And if you put two positives together, they don't glue together, two negatives, they don't glue together. But when you take a magnet and you split it in half, you're going to continue to have a positive and a negative side. You cannot take the positives out of a magnet or the negatives out of a magnet. Like it will always have both sides. And I think that's a beautiful um, metaphor for life. Life is a combination of equal parts, support, and challenges. And I like to really think of it as 50-50. And it is our perceptions of just more positives or more negatives that leads us to calling a situation good or bad. The situation in itself is neither. It's absolutely neutral. But because of our preferences, because of our own inner priorities, and because of a lot of those associations we made in our minds that this happened, therefore this is bad, this happened, therefore this is good, we create this polarization. We create this, you know, I call it like this ball of yarn of emotions. And anytime it doesn't feel good because it doesn't match this very rigid sort of expectations we have, then we feel stress, then cravings arise. And the chances of this happening every day are incredibly high because there's going to be 24 hours every day tempting you against your preferences, right? So what a better way to go for the root cause, which is really the bees is the passion I have in my work physiologically, but also emotionally. Let's find the root cause and let's start there as opposed to just trying those superficial stress management techniques that do not address what the problem actually is and will not last. And just maybe something extra added to your to-do list, which is, you know, even more work, (laughs) right? So let's not do that. So my favorite way, instead of starting to reframe reality, so one is what I said is the really understanding and comprehending the 50-50 balance of support and challenge. 
and actually expecting both. <laughs> We're going to have half of our lives and days that don't feel so good and half that feel probably great or amazing. But if all we're doing is seeking the fantasy of every day being absolutely amazing, we're going to be disappointed half of the time. And I think that that for me has really sort of neutralized my expectations. And days that I don't feel so good, I think, oh, okay, this is probably on the bottom half <laughs> of my 50-50 magnet. And it just kind of makes me feel a little less anxious or a little less upset about it. And the second part of it. And this is something that I really want you to really listen to deeply and, and take on, put it in your heart and see how it feels. But our mind will have continued to, and in the past, created so, so many associations between outcomes and how we felt. For example, if every time you open a bank account and numbers on what you want, you feel anxious. So therefore, bank account means anxiety. Um, let's just say that you, I don't know, somebody lied to you and your family. Therefore, any time that you have to see the family member means you're stressed. Like we make all these associations in, in order to survive and protect ourselves. Absolutely. But I just want you to know that just because your mind believes something to be true or it feels that something is true, it does not mean it is true. And what I mean by that is that just because we feel a certain way does not mean we have to act on it. It does not mean that we have to react to it like we have in the past. And that is something that will take work. Believe me, this is not just like uh, I tell it this and like, oh, I totally get it and you move on. But I just wanted to plant a seed for you to realize that we can reframe our reality by one, understanding that life is a balance of support and challenges. And number two, by recognizing that just because we feel or think a certain way does not mean that's the truth all the time. It is just associations with the mind and we don't have to act upon it when it comes back. So for example, stress management, true stress management is completely a learned skill. So when I used to feel stress, I'll go, oh my gosh, I feel so stressed. I need to do something about it. Whereas now when I feel stress, I'm a lot more um, open to actually understanding why, what is going on. And because I have such a deep knowledge of my body, my mind, my DNA, uh, which is something that can be so helpful in this, you know, the physiological aspect of this understanding, I understand how my mind works, how my neurotransmitters work, what is dysregulated, what it is not. So I have so much more knowledge that I can stay in a place of self-governance or at least return to it so much quicker because of the knowledge and it's so empowering. And I really want you to have the same so that you don't have to, one, react to situations that before you perceive as stressful. And two, you can like proactively start strengthening that frontal part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, so that you're less volatile, your emotions have a lot more self-governance and you, with time, need less and less external cravings and treats to make you feel better because you're developing this internal set of tools to do so that you have control over. And I think that is one of the most empowering things we can ask for. So if this is something that hopefully this is interesting, something to give you new ways of thinking. And if you want to learn in terms of the second half of how can you actually start reframing reality so that cravings can actually be dissolved in some instances, even permanently, I want to recommend episode 110 for you, 
which um, I go over in details my journey when I decided to release alcohol from my life. And that was about 16 months ago. And I go through the details of showing you how I did this stacking of benefits and drawbacks and what actually was the tipping point for me. So you can actually see in practice what is possible. I have not had a single sip nor craving, which is, I think, the big part here of alcohol since May 16th, 2022, I believe. Um, So this is just really, this episode is showing you what the process looks like in real life. So if this is helpful, um, go to the show notes and listen to the two episodes. And I'm also going to put another, a final link on the show notes for you after you do listen to both or even just right after you listen to this. If you feel this is something that you want to explore for yourself to look at how can you take go from weight loss to weight release, which takes into account not just your body, but also your mind. I highly encourage you to apply for a call with either myself or my team by going to naturallyjoyous.ca slash apply. And in there, you're going to have a chance to read more about uh, what we do. And of course, uh, speak to our, with our team. So apply to speak for our team. And we will be happy to listen to you and see if this style, this methodology is right for your needs so that we can actually help you get to the weight goals as well as better sleep, more energy, and just loving what you see in the mirror and really finding that confidence from within. So I hope you enjoyed today and I will see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to Confidence From Within. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at naturally.joyous and I will be sure to tag you back. I would also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes so you can help us support our show. Stay healthy and happy and until next time.